Welcome to another episode of the Jones Underground Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Jones. Uh, tonight you just get me. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, which is going to be the topic of tonight. We're going to talk about uh, fathers and just <clears throat> the effect that fathers and male role models have on people. I'm going to give a little bit of my experience as a dad and uh, the situation of being a dad sometimes. We will get into a little bit of the sports later. We did have a blockbuster trade tonight, and we'll get into that as well. But first, we want to talk about fatherhood. Um, in this case, black fatherhood. Um, a lot of us, uh, me included, came up without fathers. Um, so we had to have people play the role in our lives. Um, and a lot of us are adversely affected by that. Not having a role, a male role model, you know, not having somebody to show you what it is to be a dad, and not showing you what it is to, you know, to have um, the integrity to stand up and to to do the things that a, a man does, or a good man, you know, because you could be a man or you could be a good man. Which one you want to be? A lot of the decisions that we make, you know, especially when we see today we have a lot of people being extra selfish and you know you see that loyalty and commitment and dedication kind of gone out the window in every facet of of just everyday life you know no one's talking about integrity and you know doing the right thing even when it's something you don't want to do and i would just thank the lord thank god that he put people certain people around me especially certain men around me that did shine um, that did flash the loyalty the dedication that did show me what it was to be faithful what it was to you know do what you could to bring the kids up the right way now the man I'm talking about is my grandfather the late great Richard Jones the greatest man I ever knew and you know and I kind of want to just dedicate this episode coming up and um, at some point during my teenagers my mom moved in to my grandparents house you know and it was a kind of a shock for us because we was going through a very hard time I think I was coming out of middle school into high school and it was a situation for me you know especially being a, a young dude coming up in church being in a bad neighborhood type of situation where you're you know getting into fights and stuff like that and and you really you're looking to people to kind of bring you up and you know my grandfather he took on that role you know he took us fishing <laughs> we didn't catch any fish and stuff like that he took us out on walks and stuff like that me and my cousin Emmanuel he would play spades with us to the point where <laughs> me and Emmanuel got really good at trying to get around him you know it was three of us you know normally you have partners of spades but when you're going a three-man uh, game of spades is every man for himself which i think my grandfather liked it that way so he would essentially find a way to pit me against my cousin so that if one of us got too big of a lead um we would team up and <laughs> we would 
who would essentially try to murder each other while he somehow found a way to get back in the game. Um, he would beat us so bad. Even I don't care how big the lead was, we'd go to a thousand points and we'll have a five or six hundred point lead on him. And somehow he would still come back and get us. And you'll hear him, you know, saying phrases, caught him <laughs> with a fastball on the inside corner. Or he, he was just one of the biggest trash talkers I ever met in my whole life. And he's the reason I play chess and fades the way that I play it, you know, as far as like, you know, it's a level of aggression that I don't think people should have when you play chess or spades, but my grandfather was that person. <clears throat> Not only that, I can sit here and say my grandfather, you know, watching him and watching the way he interacted with my grandma, you know, during my life, you know, because I don't know how the situation was before we came to live with him, but just watching how he loved on my grandma. You know, if grandma said something, it was it was law. <laughs> he made sure it would happen. Uh, at some point, uh, my cousins Macy and my cousins David lived in the house with us, and we would get into it because they'd get into something I had, or they'd say something silly to me, and I would drag them outside. Now, if my grandma wasn't at home, my grandfather would just say, "Just take them outside." <laughs> and I take him outside and throw him around. But if my grandma was home, she want us fighting, and she meant it. If my great, if my grandfather would turn to a completely different person, hey, don't be fighting them, and you know, in the house and stuff. It's like you know, and I had to understand that hey, it's a different rule when it comes to grandma, and what grandma say is law. So the situation it is what it is. Uh, we used to live off these two dollar pizzas. We used to get it sit up all night till 3 o'clock in the morning playing spades and stuff. And it's just one of those things where, you know, he took me out when I was uh, 15 years old, and um, he drove me to uh, Forest Park. He had a, like a dot shadow back then. And he drove me to Forest Park in a muni parking lot, and he told me to, um, he was like, just teach me how to drive. Just like, hey, man, turn this corner here turn this corner there and at the time I had never driven before so I'm like you know scared but I'm like alright I'll go ahead and turn it I'll you know turn the wheel and everything else and then when he saw we did we was driving around the parking lot for about five minutes he looked over at me and told me to drove home, drive home I was like what <laughs> and I drove his own which at the time you know me riding with my kids I'm just I don't know if I got the patience to do it. That's what my wife teaches the kids how to drive. <laughs> but the shit that to see that he had enough faith in me, you know, driving around the parking lot to driving home, which is had to be a good ten minute ride, you know, up Union from Forest Park to get to where we lived at. But man, I just thought he thought the world of me. Like man, he ain't letting my cousin Emmanuel drive like that. <laughs> but, um, but it was just one of those things where you have somebody that puts a steering wheel in your hand put, that really takes the time out with you and, and shows you like you know tells you about relationships and he, he 
told me some stories about, you know, kids, you know, my uncles and aunts coming up and stuff. Mm-hmm. About some of the grief my uncle Anthony and my uncle Richard used to give them and stuff. You know, it's more than just about the whooping. Sometimes we talk about, man, how when we were little, we lived in a house in Moana Park. My grandfather used to, he used to be the one that come whoop us because, you know, at the time we didn't have fathers around and stuff like that. And the moms would kill us if they beat us, so they had Papa come in. And Papa would line us all up with the belts <laughs> that they used to beat slaves with or something. I don't know. But... It's not just a, you know, this man would whoop you and stuff, you know. He would take time out to tell you why he came in and whooped you, you know. He he would literally, you would just be coming, I'm going to come in and beat you. Then when we got to being teenagers and stuff, he really did, you know. When he couldn't do all the running around, when he couldn't do the fishing and outdoor stuff, he really did sit down and talk with us. You know, and that's the thing, that's the important part. I think us as parents, we think that we do a lot of the parenting when the kids are little. And the situation you run into is that a lot of parenting that I've seen out of my kids in their 20s and and 18 and stuff like that, you still do a lot of parenting, a lot of guidance when they get in their teen years, when they get in their 20s. You are still trying to show them the way you're still trying to be there and put a lot of love on them you know and some kids you know they don't want to really get that stuff and some kids they do and you realize that being a parent you know especially being the father you know being a father you think man i'm this strong and tower tell the kids do this and they do it you know bring the law down but even the strongest father has to have a kid up under him that's willing to be a decent kid you know because if your kid want to be crazy ain't nothing you as a parent can you can do all the threatening and whooping and discipline you can but if that kid want to be crazy they're going to be crazy you know we see kids out here doing a bunch of stuff going to school crazy and shooting up schools and stuff and the first thing we look at is where the parents at now, of course, in some cases, yeah, you're going to have parents that are super, you know, nuts and stuff. But in a lot of these cases, these parents are decent parents, and their kids just came out doing whatever they wanted to do. There is a lot of influences that are out here that were not out here when I was a kid, and especially when you have the access that you have to the Internet where you have people that are very polarizing, that are very, you know, you got racism and you know, I'm not saying LGBTQ is bad, but you got a lot of these influences out here, and your kids have more access to these influences than they did when I was little and stuff. And I'm not saying it's for the better or for the worse, you know, because at the end of the day, all I do as a dad is pray for everyone. You know, you pray for your kids, you pray for your kids, you pray for your kids, because at the end of the day, that's the best that you can do as a, you know parent of any kid but it's different when you're a father you know when you're a dad and your daughter says she likes some some boy but usually by the time she tells the dad (laughs) it's too late the situation is far gone when the dad finds out i'm I'm trying to coach (laughs) it 
kind of coaching my son through that now because he has a little girlfriend and her dad is, you know, very active, taking him to the movies and stuff like that. So, you know, just letting him know, like, remember, you know, <laughs> don't do nothing to her that you don't want done to your daughter if you have one in this current current situation. Just being a guiding light, you know, but as these kids get older, that's when you thinking that oh, I can lay back and do whatever. Uh, you, you still have to do a lot of parenting when they get older. They're telling you they sick a certain way or they they never have felt this way or they going through different feelings or they have different thoughts. And and it's weird because, you know, when they when they start being young adults, it's <laughs> it kind of takes you back to when you were graduating high school out what you was going to do in life and everything that you thought you was going to be goes completely out the window when you start really when life starts throwing these curveballs and everything but just to say in honor of my my grandfather the great Richard Jones uh, that's what my son is Nathaniel the great <laughs> because his middle name is Richard and um, it, took, it took everything for me not to name him after his grandfather. <laughs> so I'm like, Richard gonna be his name one way or the other. <laughs> but it's just, you know, you see your kids, like my daughters are, they're not like my son. My son is more laid back than my daughter. So I have my older daughter who's more, she's, she's chill. She's out here doing her thing. My son is more nerdy type of guy like I was. Fourteen-year-old, she is a beast of a writer and um, songstress, and so Lord knows when she's fourteen, this will be her first year in uh, high school. So you know, just seeing what life, where life takes me, and you know, just being on the other side of that, I could have a whole pot about what to do as a father when you're separated and you're the part-time parent and you get them over the weekend type stuff or um, struggles of child support taking what they take when they take it and making sure they get what they need to get type stuff but beyond all that being the most important thing is like I said my grandfather it's not taking them to Disneyland it's not giving them everything they want it's spending the time with them you know, showing, leading by example, you know, not being, think about what you want your kids to do and, and, and the opportunities you want them to have, and then you have to act accordingly. You can't put stuff in front of your kids like, you you got a daughter, but you laying up with 20 women. You know, you don't want to put that in front of her because then that gives her a mistrust of men and just not spend the time with them at all. helping them grow into who they're going to become. Um, just the different things as a father, like you showing your girls, like if a, if a dude's doing this, they need to know better. They need to know how to recognize things. You know, it's more, <clears throat> it's almost just as important as us being around our daughters as it is around our sons. Showing them what honor and integrity is. How to 
to be a person, a man of your word. You say you're going to do something, you do everything you can to do it. You know, when you make an agreement, you make this thing happen. How to, you know, take her business as a man. You know, how to be around the right friends to be to get successful and stuff. Don't let these people and situations bring you down. You know, because you're going to say and do everything, but once again, you have to have a kid that's willing to heed your words and heed your example to make that happen, you know, so I'm grateful for the children that I have. I'm grateful that <laughs> they're not really out there bad as far as, like, they're not out there doing drugs or nothing like that, and they're not out there running around <laughs> with gangs and stuff, so I, I'm just really grateful that my kids are you know they're really good kids and you know you just pray that they keep it that way and i'm proud and i'm gonna love them no matter what happens you know and i'm just grateful that i had somebody that you know he's gone now and my mom's gone too but i'm just grateful that i had people over me that loved me that played the role you know i have uh, people in my life now that you know i come up under them a little bit to get wisdom and knowledge and keep my composure and stuff the right way, you know, because I'm the old guy now, you know, I'm in my 40s, <laughs> like the old guys, if you in their 60s and 70s, but, you know, you blessed if you make it that, you know, and we'll just go there. Now, we're going to do a little bit of the sports really quickly, uh, some of the sports, we had a blockbuster trade, we had the Phoenix Suns uh, uploading Chris Paul, Landry Shaman. And some draft picks over to the Washington Wizards for Bradley Bill. Um, I don't see how the Washington Wizards got a deal for Bradley Bill and only got Chris Paul and Landry Shaman and did not take um, DeAndre Ayton for the situation. I don't know how Phoenix is going to afford paying this many millions and millions of dollars in luxury tax to take care of the situation and then I don't they're probably going to be averaging 10 11 points coming off their bench because now you got to start a bunch of undrafted rookie free agents to fill out your roster because of the four people you paying all this money to and I'm going to also enjoy watching them lose because once again you can't buy a championship if, if the if anything Denver Nuggets showed you that you can't just come in here and just buy a championship. The Denver Nuggets and the Milwaukee Bucks, two of the last four or five champions, they have showed you that you can draft talent, you can make little moves, and these little moves like KCP signing him, trading to get Aaron Gordon, yeah, it took them a couple of years, but once they got once they gel together, got their chemistry, that's how you win. You're not just going to get Bradley Bill and these people and just, oh, I'm good now. We're going to win now. No, you're not going. <laughs> the, the championship thing going to come. Paper, you know, when they put Brooklyn together, when KD was in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving and James Harden, where's the championship there? You know, and then. When KD came to Phoenix, they thought it was just going to be an automatic championship. Nope. And these are all paper tigers, if you ask me, because at the end of the day, if 
much as I respect Bradley Bill's game, first, he hasn't really been healthy. And then the second thing is, has my man been winning? To me, there's, there's something to be said when you have a winner on your team. You know, LeBron James, given the opportunity and stuff like that, he, to me, is a winner. You know, he, he would be somebody I would say I, I value. Man, he, KCP, show, you know, championship medal in this round. Winner, you know, locking up, at some point, uh, locking up uh, Jimmy Buckets and stuff. So, you got to have championship mentality. I mean, and I would have thought, like, if you dealing, doing business with Washington and stuff like that, they got a couple of pieces that, you know, you can get off them along with Bradley Bill because at the end of the day, Bradley Bill and and Devin Booker play the same position. So who's going to run the point? Or you going to run with just three guards, two shooting guards, and guess what's going to happen that way? You're going to have a bigger team getting 10 and 15 uh, rebound differentials on you. It's good to have a team that can shoot the skin off the basketball and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, um, you you need a few things. You need a team to win. Just getting all the scoring and just getting all these, you know, big, bright names and stuff like that and paying all this money. But the one thing we've seen, the Warriors, showed it to you, you just can't buy a championship. And, and even when they got KD and was winning, that's because they were already a championship team when KD came there. You know, so we'll see how this situation works up. And, you know, it'll be a very interesting season, to say the least. Chris Paul, man, I feel so bad for Chris Paul. He is the most, he's supposed to be one of the most respected players in the league. And every team that he signs with, he left Los Angeles to sign with these guys. And they use him as a trade chip, you know. He went to Houston, and they traded him to Oklahoma City. <laughs> like, you know, like, man, we we respect you. Bye. <laughs> you know. It, it's just a situation, man. I mean, you hate seeing a... a one of the best point guards. I say Chris Paul is a top ten point guard of all time, and they shipping him around like a uh, like a bag of chips or something on the trade block. And then the Wizards are gonna trade him again. They gonna probably buy him out, and who knows? He probably wind up even back in L.A. in a minute. But you just hate to see my man get done like that. You know, to me that's. That's awfully dirty. <laughs> you trade, you trade this dude. You trade Chris Paul, but you keep DeAndre Ayton, who is soft with George Ducati. I don't understand that. But because DeAndre Ayton, what what he gonna do against Jokic? Give up a fifty point triple double? <laughs> what he gonna do? So I don't know, man. They talk about they 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 got championship eyes. I don't think so. Phoenix Phoenix got to get in there and do something for me, man. They ain't even get to the Western Conference Finals. I know they talk about they lost, but nah, the Lakers made it.